This podcast is part of the Frederick Podcast Network. Learn more at listenfrederick.com. Welcome to season three of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. This is the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, season three. This is a special episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. We are celebrating and commemorating the 30th anniversary of a show that changed the television landscape, a show that was ahead of its time, a show that dared try new things within the Star Trek universe. That show is, drumroll please, <laughs> worst drumrolls uh, in all history. I was gargling more like gargling. <laughs> I didn't know if you were growling or what. Uh, <laughs> that show is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. When it debuted on January 3rd, 1993, I was but a young teenager hungry for more Trek and eager for more weekly adventures to escape into. Deep Space Nine was darker, rough around the edges, edgier for sure and not quite as obviously positive and hopeful about the future, at least at first glance. The show was focused on the exploration of its characters as opposed to exploration of space and what's out there. Instead, it sought to explore the depth of the human experience and what's inside. This frustrated many fans at first who were not ready for that kind of different kind of trek. However, those of us who stuck it out and stayed with the show week to week came to find that Deep Space Nine was truly the deepest Trek show of them all. The characters were complex, interesting, and often surprising. On this 30th anniversary celebration, many fans are now coming back to Deep Space Nine and finding it to be one of the best, and some even say the best, in the Trek universe. What do you think? We're going to find out what all of us think tonight, but tonight... We have chosen to pay homage, give our respect, celebrate, and poke fun at, when appropriate and all in good fun, everybody, the show that many call the hidden gem of Trek, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Joining me this evening are my amazing co-hosts, who I'm sure have a lot to say about this topic, as usual. Mm -hmm. Our resident physicist, engineer, author, and robot enthusiast, Adina Mignona. Hi, everybody. Hey, Adina, our resident professional mediator and Star Trek quiz expert, Chris Fox. Hello, everyone. Hey, Chris. And our resident retired jewelry industry expert, all-around nice guy and superhero who gives of his time and platelets to the Los Angeles Children's Hospital, Steve Merkin. Which I'm doing tomorrow. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> awesome. And I'm Brian Donahue, the ringleader for this episode, at least, the resident pastor, songwriter, aspiring author, and definitely a podcasting geek. Although Chris really uh, gives me a run for my money. I think you might have me beat, actually, on that uh uh, podcasting geekdom thing going on there, but That's guys, because Chris cloned himself and he can do lots of <laughs> is different that what it is? Once. Yeah, yes. it was risky. You need to let <laughs> us in on that secret. Yeah. It was pricey, I imagine too. You it cost me you. like two hundred dollars. You believe it or not? Two hundred dollars. What a price. awesome! They got a deal. Um, we don't want more than one Brian Donahue on this earth. I'll tell you that though. So, uh, Hey guys, let's talk some deep space nine. Okay. All right. So I, I just want our listening audience to know, first off, we've got a bunch of smiling, happy people here. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, one of the reasons, if I may be so bold that we are so smiling, happy is that, uh, this may we get to be a part of Trek long Island. 
uh, brand new Star Trek convention that uh, has been put together, and we get to be one of the podcasting groups that are coming to the show. We get to uh, be on stage a couple times. We're going to do a live podcast. We're going to do Trek trivia. We get to interact with fans, meet people, and we are excited. So if you're uh, looking for a Star Trek convention in the new year to go to, may I suggest you make Trek Long Island your top choice because we would love to meet you and they've already got a wonderful list of celebrity guests coming from all over the star trek universe and beyond our own adina mignona gets to uh, uh talk up some science and uh gets to do a talk that way we're gonna get some panels in there and all that stuff so look for that in may and you can follow that along instagram and facebook for trek long island so look up the dates for that and all that stuff so okay enough of the commercial but that was a fun commercial mm-hmm. um you smiling people i've got some i've got a series of six questions here that we'll probably only get to a few of <laughs> um knowing us in our wonderful tangents uh but let's i just the first question i want to know and, and uh because when i recall any show, any series, any episode, one of the things I often go to in my memory is first impressions. You know, do I remember where I was, uh, what it felt like watching or experience some, experiencing something? So that's my question for you guys. Do you guys remember your first impression of Deep Space Nine? And we'll, we'll gentlemen, we'll let our uh lady go first adina go ahead tell tell (laughs) us do you remember your first impression absolutely is it because i was nodding my head vigorously like the whole time you were i I, I felt like i had no choice but to offer to let you go first actually no of of course um so i remember because i was it was my freshman year of college Mm -hmm. and the the main things i remember is when the show was announced or when we knew it was coming out and the fact that it was going to be on a space station and I think I was part of the, so again, I remember my first year of college, I was young, I was 18 years old, but my first thought, and and I was completely, completely in love with Star Trek Next Generation. And and I'll say even, you know, that is still my favorite, top favorite mm-hmm. series. I like, I love DS9, I love all of them, but TNG is still the top for me. So I remember like thinking like, what they're gonna be on a space station and being <laughs> really like how can this work in the star trek universe is this and, and wondering if it was gonna work and next generation was still airing was still gonna air for another year or so when that started so i was still heavily heavily watching after next generation went off the air just um then i was in later in college and life kind of took over and i wasn't watching it as religiously as i had been up until then but I also remember a month after DS9 premiered, that's when Babylon 5 came out too. So I remember there was like the concept of like, okay, wait, wait oh, there's yeah. not one, but two science fiction space station series, even though Babylon 5 didn't like really like come out till like a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I remember that being like, I don't want to say controversy, maybe it was a controversy, but I remember that being the concern, like they're going to be stuck on a space station. Is this Star Trek? <laughs> I mean, uh, yes. The answer is yes, it's Star Trek. But okay. I remember at the time, we weren't sure. <laughs> I remember hating Babylon 5 at first. I was like, how dare this really? other company have a space station show come out very close to Deep Space Nine. It's, you know, I, I remember for for 
the first two seasons of Babylon 5 and New Space Nine just refusing to watch Babylon 5. But it was on either before Star Trek was on in the Cleveland area or after. I think it was after. And once I got over that and was hungry for more science fiction in general, Babylon 5 turned into a pretty fantastic oh, show. Yeah, I love Babylon yeah. 5, yeah. But yeah, I remember I I'd, I just I hadn't forgotten it was so close mm -hmm. to the start time. You're resurrecting yeah. memories for me. Well, because I remember that I remember that whole discussion or concept of there was not going to be one, but two science fiction shows that took place on the station. I, I remember that distinctly because especially the time, like right now, there's a ton of science fiction on the air. But back in the time, that was you know it was. Let me was ask like, you. Here's a, a follow up question. Then, okay, do you guys? feel like maybe that contributed a little bit to deep space nine's original kind of it, it wasn't embraced by the fans as a whole do you yeah. think that because there was another science fiction offering that you know was a space no. station do you think it had anything to do no. with deep space nine not absolutely no. skyrocketing I don't, no. no i don't yeah i don't think so either growing up i remember like I'm trying to remember, like, just if I answer the first, is the first question will make or my answer to the first question will make it make more sense. But like, I was a kid when it came out, so a lot of the stuff I heard about DS Nine, I heard about later. But I mm. did remember reading about the fact that when it came out, people were like, "It's Star Trek," but they're not going anywhere, so that doesn't make sense. So I think people were just kind of turned off by the idea of it being mm -hmm. on a space station. Mm. Um, but to answer the first question, I remember I was maybe five or six. And Deep Space Nine was like, I liked it. I would watch it because it was Star Trek, but I didn't really understand it. TNG was my thing. That was the thing I could grasp as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but like DS9 was way over my head. I had Deep Space Nine pajamas, which I wish I could find a picture of. <laughs> um, yeah, Deep Space Nine, like season one pajamas. So I think those pajamas came out. I must, must have been season one because this was before Cisco um, shaved his head. If I remember, I wore Deep that Space Nine pajamas. They were so comfortable. They were so soft. <laughs> they were the best. I got to find that picture and I'll post it in the Facebook group if I can find oh, it. Oh yes. Um, but it really wasn't until 2006. I remember that summer specifically that I really binged DS9. It was like, whoa, this is the show. Mm -hmm. okay. Steve. Okay. Um, be honest with you, I don't have any recollection, and maybe the reason why is that I had two young kids mm -hmm. who were not really into it. Or we call that the dead Archer. period. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, Stephanie was nine, Jenny was four, and they just, you know, it, so we were watching things that they liked or trying something that the family would like. And so really didn't get into it, I, though I did watch it. And I do recall being part of that group of people that went, hmm, no spaceship no starship they're stuck on a space station and people have to come to them wait a minute are we watching a science fiction version of gilligan's island where <laughs> they're stuck on this place and everybody comes to them and a lot of the characters you write were dark and they weren't as i guess you could cozy up to them like you could with TOS or TNG characters. Mm. Um, and so it was a little harder. There was more very regimented. You had a police officer and you had, you know, it just, you know, Odo, and it just it was hard to get into it. So I never really was 
a big fan of it when it was on television. Okay. Well, okay. for for me, I was 14 years old. I just did the math quickly since y'all were doing the math roughly. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I remember being, it's different, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved that it was different at the time. And for me, I, I was instantly infatuated with the space station. I just, I think it's one of the most beautiful um, creations of any space station or ship in Star Trek um, and sci-fi in general, but uh, I loved it. I was really hungry though for more because I'm with Adina. Mm -hmm. I say that Next Generation is my sentimental favorite show of all of them, um, even to this day, because that's when I fell in love with Star Trek and incredibly fond memories watching Next Gen growing up. And Deep Space Nine is one of those shows that I just, I was like, I'm going to stick with it. I wasn't having as much fun watching it week to week as Next Gen. But but by the time that third season rolled around and it started introducing the Gem Hadar and they really, Quark and the Ferengi and his brother and Nog were starting to really come into their own as characters. Um, and I just... You know, I just was like, oh, my gosh, I really like this show. And I think it's got such potential. And then they brought in Worf in the Klingon. Yes. And they made the Klingons bad again in season. Was it season four? Right. Yeah. Season four. And they made them bad again. And it was awesome. And we had these epic Star Trek space battles like we've <sighs> never seen before. And that continued through the rest of the series. So really, it's a lot like Next Gen where it really started to come into its own in Season 3. And mm -hmm. then Season 4, it just took off. Um, that's that's so. very interesting you say that. It seems to be that that's the nature of Star Trek shows. Because even Enterprise really took off in Season 4. Mm -hmm. And then it was gone. Right. So it usually takes maybe a couple seasons for a Star Trek series to well, I think, blossom and, I think, and find its footing. Yeah, I think too. I think television has changed dramatically since Next Gen and mm -hmm. D Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. I think that a lot of the new shows coming out, where it, television in the seventies, eighties, and nineties in particular. Uh, did ha you know it took the actors a while to get used i feel like tv shows you almost the actors and the characters almost seem very natural mm. from episode 1 nowadays yeah yeah no you're I think, right yeah. I, star trek or in general in general tv okay. shows in general yeah. but i think in star trek like discovery i felt like i felt like man i don't feel like there's any of this awkward they're trying to figure each other out as actors I start strange new worlds, I think is also a phenomenon oh, instantly yeah. fantastic. In oh, my opinion, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. strange new worlds instantly for sure. <laughs> Discovery. I'm still, I agree. I, I don't I'm know. with you, Chris. I'm with you in that. Yeah, I loved department. season one and two of Discovery. Yeah. So I think though, I still would say it's different for Star Trek versus other things because any new Star Trek series is building upon, you know, a, a universe and everything. Mm -hmm. And so Very if you, true. if you say, here's a character, they are a Starfleet captain. Here's a character. They are chief engineer. You already, like we already have some mental image of what that we expect that character mm -hmm. to their person. We, we have an expectation. Mm -hmm 
inspiration mm-hmm. for their personality mm-hmm. and a bunch of things where if you had a new show from scratch that had nothing to do with Star mm-hmm. Trek and you're starting everything from scratch, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I think I think Star Trek is a leg up in, in mm-hmm. that. Although mm-hmm. if you take uh, any other show, maybe. OK, we, we just recently watched all of the, the new season of Jack Ryan. And oh, I'm saying, yeah. even if you take a, a, any other series, OK, you say my character is a CIA officer. You have expectations. You know, yeah, there are expectations. That's in very our mind. True. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not like anything's new, new, new. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and it, yeah. 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 I was going right. to say, like, I've been binging my girlfriend and I were binging 911. And it's like that show from the get go for me was just like characters were perfect. And mm. they just seemed to know exactly what they wanted to do. And it did, I didn't feel like it was like this awkward season one where it's like, we really don't know, or I don't know how to act. We don't have, if we're talking about DS9, mm. we don't have what I think people like someone described Bashir, like season one and season two is like, he's mm. the wacky neighbor on a sitcom. You don't have <laughs> any of that where I felt like 911, you could start from the get go. The characters seem to know who they are right. and their storylines. Whereas mm. Bashir, it's like, it takes some time for Bashir to become a pretty good character mm-hmm. uh, in the series. Yeah. Well, he well, also even... didn't meet our expect. I mean, so to, I think I'm going to kind of continue to make, to make my point, even though I think I already mm-hmm. made it was yeah, for, yeah, so nine one one. It met your expectations for what you were expecting from the characters where you get a character like Dr. Bashir who does not meet. He is not like any Starfleet doctor we've met before. So it takes a mm, while for right. him to come. In his own. And in DS9, we still had a lot of new character new types of characters, mm-hmm. you know, Very major Kira, you know, having non Starfleet personnel as major characters, you know, Odo, Quark, you know, mm-hmm. Kira, like. So it takes a while. Yeah. yeah. But even yeah. Kira, I felt like they like they knew what to do with her and Kira changes. But her character at the beginning, it makes sense. And I felt like she didn't have any awkward kind of ness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just mm-hmm. also heard that the the writers, I think even, um, why can't I think, Andrew Robinson was saying that, yeah, they didn't really know what to do with Bashir in the, at the start of the show. But Kira, it seems like she has a very interesting trajectory, but it's like, but you can see where she's going at the beginning, mm-hmm. sort of, interesting. maybe. Okay. Okay. Well, and but I think you're, you're right though, Adina. And one thing about what you right. said about television shows is that <laughs> yeah, often it. they have to get you into them in the very first episode or very mm-hmm. first season. And that was true of shows like Alias or mm-hmm. Lost, where the first season or two seasons were like, wow. And then afterwards, like, you know, <laughs> and that's what they have to they have. To, so now they don't have that freedom that they had maybe with you know the prior like ds9 or something where you had a, a season to get into it you you know you, you you they gave you time to build into your love of it and it, as you see that's true right and, and i want to i want to state too because because i want to make sure we don't miss this as we're celebrating the 30th anniversary is um d space nine has in my opinion two and there's more than two i believe but two major things that i think make it a standout series for its time uh number one uh the father-son relationship between um captain cisco and jake cisco Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um very positive um depiction of a man of color and a son and a single dad too that was a little that was kind of rare ish mm-hmm. i guess in the time but that it was positive that it was loving that it was caring that he had a career he was a single father um still focused on his son that the son they wanted to be together you know i mean it was it was just a beautiful depiction of fatherhood and mm-hmm. sonship um and 
also the strong female characters on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, very strong female characters on the show. And so for me, that's that's a, a very important part of this, is something that Star Trek Deep Space Nine achieved. Um, and it's not that Next Gen didn't have strong... I, I'm not, I think Gates McFadden is a strong character. Mm-hmm. I think Deanna Troy is a strong character in different ways. Yeah. But the fact that Major Kira went toe-to-toe regularly... And I, I mean, there's all kind of go ahead. Adina, well, look, I, you know, I lo- again, I love, 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 love next generation. But yes, what they did with the two major female characters were put, were put them in traditionally nurturing yeah. roles, doctor and counselor. Exactly. Okay. Again, they did great. I love the character. I love the actors. I love the character. I right. love everything about right. it, but it was very traditional. So mm-hmm. now here you have DS9 and you have a kick-ass like, like resistance yep. fighter, you know, military woman. And then you have Dax, the scientist, the gorgeous mm-hmm. scientist. I love mm-hmm. Jadzia Dax because mm-hmm. like she's a scientist. She's a smart, smart, smarty, smart, smart scientist. So here <laughs> you go. Finally, we have women that are in great roles, but like non-traditional, like the not the nurturing. You got a male doctor, you know, you have like, yeah. So I was very, very, yeah. very happy mm-hmm. with that. And I want to defend Doctor Bashir real quick. Oh, I like Doctor Bashir. Okay. I know. I, I like. I think like... we all. I think we all did in the end. Oh yeah. Well, but in it's the just end, goofiness yes. in like the just, first. Season. I just read something. Okay, about this. So it's mm-hmm. very crazy. You guys brought this up because I wasn't going here. Um, but he, uh, Sadig, has actually said, um, and been quoted to say that one of his. Um, desires for his character in the first season was to make him hated. He his, oh. the whole purpose was to make him a character people didn't really care for. How he played him, how he talked, uh, uh, kind of the sheepish way. I mean, he says that he put way more naivete into it than even the writers did, and because he wanted to give himself space to grow the character and he felt like there was great growth that was possible Mm -hmm. with this character and so he felt like if he played it that way originally it would make the growth later on because like david livingston told us or told you guys because i missed out on that but (laughs) i've listened to it several times just Uh, eating up every second of it but uh you know this was a seven-year gig almost guaranteed for these guys so they knew mm-hmm. there was going to be development and growth in their mm-hmm. characters um if everything played out well so i just thought that was you know i know that, we love bashir in the end because his character was developed beautifully throughout mm-hmm. the course yeah. of the series very good and so well, has gone cool. on to do some amazing films and television shows afterwards too mm-hmm. so let's let's go on to question we've kind of talked about this a little bit so let's just yep. let's be quick on this next question here mm-hmm. guys did you watch the original run or did you jump in later? Did you watch it in reruns years later? What just real briefly again? For me, it was hit or miss again mm-hmm. because of what I said earlier. So watch it on occasion when I could, but that also hurt me because I didn't keep up with the characters and what was going on again right. with other kids. And now because of you folks, I've gone back and watched certain episodes as we had discussions and in, mm-hmm. in other podcasts we've done and appreciating it more now than I ever did in the past. Great. Sweet. Chris. Uh, so I did not watch it in the original run because I realized 
that I actually didn't even, I was maybe two or three years old when it came out. Oh, so I grief. remember I was in grade, <laughs> the first grade with Mrs. Pembroke, I believe, oh. in grade one. And that was 1998. So that okay. would have been where the series ended. So, it's wow. like, so I did not watch the original <laughs> run. I, I got really into it uh, the summer, I think, of 2006 because I was taping okay. it. Okay, cool. And I, cool. I can't remember oh. if I started from season one or if it was, I think it might have been around season five or six. Don't, okay. don't and let then that I maybe be, went back and watched that's it. That's not a problem, Chris, because I'll ask the group, how many people watched Star Trek, the original series, on its first run? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many were alive when that happened, okay? One of you were, only 25% Martin. of us. We, we, right. You were alive. <laughs> so so that's the point is that it doesn't matter if you watched it when it first aired or later oh, on. Oh, absolutely, is that yeah. you did Sure. No, you know, of course. It's just like... Thing. Being but, a Trekkie in like mid, like elementary mm-hmm. school, like going to mm-hmm. going to like uh, dressing up in a costume and getting into an argument with a fa- uh, with a teacher about a phaser didn't make me <laughs> a super popular kid. Like, there's nobody else in my class who's watching Star Trek. <laughs> what about you? Right. Yeah, I so I mean, I started out as I said, I started out watching it. Um, I fell off the last couple of seasons, uh, and the same thing with Voyager because you know Voyager at that point was out too. Um, and it's more of a statement of what was happening in my life at the time it has nothing to do with the quality of the show. It was just, mm-hmm. um, it was when I was ending in my last year of college and then my first year getting to my career. And then the first several years after my career started, just life was just, I was in a very different sure. headspace. Sure. Um, and it had like, it had more to do with all those things. So since then I've, I've gone back and rewatched everything, you know, mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, right. but yeah. Well, yeah. for for me, my my parents knew that I was truly in love with Devin, who had become my wife, because I was no longer home on Saturday nights for the seventh season of Deep Space Nine. Ooh. They knew when I wasn't there recording every episode <laughs> on VHS, don't you know? And yep. um, that I was truly in love and probably going to marry the girl I was hanging out with that I gave up Star Trek for that. So so I missed the original run of the last season. Uh, and it wasn't until several years into marriage that I finally went back and was able to catch it all. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was this is uh, uh, also I just celebrated my 20th anniversary with my wife. So. Um, there you go. That's, that's I just I just come up with the the title of your life story book, Brian. Okay, laid on for me. love or Star Trek. <laughs> I Aww. like it. I dig it. All right. So moving <laughs> moving right along here. Uh, favorite characters or favorite characters to hate? Because I Deep Space Nine had plenty of both. Ugh, so plenty many. of both. Let's. I, I, let's, I'll, let's I'll be I'll be Steve. quick. I'll be real right. quick. Quark favorite i just loved the idea of having this businessman because star trek always was never Mm -hmm. about money it was never about financial gain it was always the we're out there to improve ourselves and make ourselves better people because (laughs) we are like that he got a guy in some money grubber he's he's the he's the um uncle the character from uh, uh, um, Mickey Mouse, uh, Mick Scrooge. He was like, he just <laughs> money, money, money. I want money. And so he was entertaining to see that interaction that now all of a sudden financial gain was an important part of a character's development. The one that I never really warmed up to was Odo. He just. Oh, really? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. He just was just so, I don't know. It just. Either his either his gruffness and his 
difficult, you know, his aggression, or just the fact that he had this, you know, this face that really was characterless, that just never really hooked up with me. So that's okay. That's it. Well, we need we need to share, Chris. We got to get a list uh, of Odo episodes uh, to Steve, and maybe oh, maybe yeah. we'll change his mind a little bit. But yeah, uh, I I hear you, and I th- I think you might not be alone in that either. That 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 might be some might other people. So and yeah, again, not remember, that I hated him. I didn't right, hate him. right. Oh, and certainly nothing against Rene Abergenois yeah. either. Yeah. No, great um, actor, fantastic. But, but uh, um. You know, like like Adina points us and keeps us on the straight and narrow. It's <laughs> it's television. It's for entertainment, and uh, it's okay to have a, an opinion. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. I like a mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, Chris, how about you? Okay, so this is I want to give two like one favorite character of the main cast, but then favorite overall character. So main cast, I'm see I'm the opposite. I love like Odo is my guy. Mm-hmm. I think he is such a great. And this is where it gets hard because Odo by himself is fantastic. But when you get Odo and Quark and you get the mm-hmm. double, you get that character duo, that's when Odo becomes the best. But I think Odo overall is my favorite character. I like his mm-hmm. um, his character development. I think like by season four, I think it's when he starts to become really at his best. Whereas I think, mm-hmm. Steve, you're right. He is super gruff, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning where he's like, Super gruff, and then by season three, when he gets into that spat with Cisco about there being um, some other—I can't remember his name—but like there's a guy that gets brought in to be Starfleet security, and yes, he has that yeah. whole like oh what's kind this? of that argument with with Oda or with Cisco about it, and it's like that's when he becomes kind of a bit much. But um, I love where he is by the time we get to season four, and then my overall favorite character of the series is Wei Yun. I just love how smarmy. <laughs> And how friendly Wei Yun is, even though you know he's the bad guy. Um, he is just so every scene that he's in, I'm just I love it. But again, it's like the hard thing about separating out these characters is so many of them are better when they're with other are at their best with other people. Like the Gul Dukat, Wei Yun, and Demartrio is phenomenal. But yeah, I would say like Wei Yun overall is my favorite character of the series. Okay. Very interesting. Very good. Yeah, I was not expecting that answer. But that's a good one. Okay. I, I don't know. It, it's Adina. it's really hard to pick favorites. I mean, I especially amongst the main cast. I, I said already I love Dax, I, and she's up there. Kira is also up there. And possibly because of the strong women, you know, finally yeah. we have strong women in non-traditional roles. Um, so that has something to do with it. But I love all the Ferengi. Uh, and, yes. and, and the thing is, is I love Quark, but besides Quark... You know, Rom and Nog had great character development and arcs. Such Both a good storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, Both so of them, yeah. yes, I, so I love, I love that. I really, I, I did love Odo. He's not again, not my favorite, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in between where Chris and Steve is uh, on mm-hmm. Odo. Um, but yeah, I think so many characters had so many arcs, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that we've gone this far into talking about DS9, and none of us have mentioned O'Brien. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Although, again, I, I struggle. Uh, you know, there are some things I struggle with his storyline, and yeah. some of the relationship stuff I struggle with. I do struggle with this. Is, uh, this is probably like a very unpopular opinion, but I didn't like Odo and Kira getting together. Mm-hmm. That just oh, okay. did not work. I, again, I love Kira. I like Odo, but I'm trying to like put myself in Kira's place, like. How is she going for him? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I I never got, hmm. I could never do that. 
No, yeah. And, yeah. And similarly, I struggle with the O'Briens because they put, um, oh, no, for sure. No, no, Keiko. Oh. They put Keiko in a traditional role. I hated her that. career for her husband. Like, it's I'm so, like, really? That's probably my biggest complaint yeah. about the series is you have yeah. someone, you have DS9 where you're mentioning O'Brien, you're mentioning all these characters and they're all so well done. But then you have Keiko who's just mm-hmm. like, at one point she becomes a teacher because she's mm-hmm. a woman and it's like, well, what mm-hmm. else am I going to do all day? I might as well become right. a teacher. And it's, right. And then, so I guess, how do you feel about his relationship with Keiko then? Because I feel like he much rather spend time with Bashir than Keiko. And when mm. Keiko comes back, it's like, oh, my wife's here. I guess I better go be with my wife when I'd rather I just be with Bashir. I feel like it was playing into a lot of like traditional stereotypes on, mm-hmm. on stuff and and not necessarily in a, in a good way. So, so, so a few yeah. steps forward in advancement yeah. a few steps back here and there yeah yeah um, yeah now, or, or it's not to say that those kinds of relationships don't exist in the real world they they actually do mm-hmm. so and i guess so but seeing it i don't know and it, it Keiko, seeing Keiko I, give up her career go ahead steve i know i was gonna say it's you you, you that's just it you you're feeling about the person or you however the character you thought should have gone and it goes in a different direction can mm-hmm. affect how you end up liking or disliking a character, yeah. you know, especially if you got like, yeah, this is the way I want them to go. And then the writers take them a different direction. You go, no, yeah. no, yeah. don't do that. They, they could have done like, I know the, her botany stuff does play into some of the storylines, but like this whole thing about, well, Bajor, we can't really grow crops because a lot of it's been, a lot of the soil has been damaged by the Cardassians. We could have had like mm. they could have done a really good job of integrating her into that and mm-hmm. like, figuring say, out like, how to make that better. Yes, they, they'll say, yeah. "Oh yeah, here she's back from Bajor when she was doing <laughs> some botany stuff," but that's all we get. Yeah. Or like, "Hey, we're on a space station. We might not time of war. We might not have unlimited supplies. What if we got a um, a pronics bay or something?" Yeah, well, and that's the thing and is, I think it, yeah. the, the realism of having some kind of, you know, plant-based regeneration system as part of your space station or spaceship, I, I feel like that that would be a very normal... I mean, that's something we talk about in the real world, so I feel like yeah, that would be right. not we just, a, yeah. a bad thing I mean, to We have. just spent, like, yeah. a whole episode talking about potatoes, so... Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> you know, hey. Why not? If you look at the original blueprints for the original Enterprise, there was an entire section... That was hydroponics, so they could grow their own mm-hmm. vegetables and things like that. So yes, it seems. And you need some natural. expertise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, if there's an to... arboretum on the Enterprise, I mean, like oh, even yeah. I can see when they first take over DS9, maybe there's no arboretum there. But then, mm-hmm. like, I feel like maybe that's that's her thing to do. Is like, hey, we need we need this. This is this is what we do. You know, Cardassians might not do this, but we do. So let's yeah. build one. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Right. I feel like they missed an opportunity there. To, yeah, I to think do some so, too. Mm-hmm. I think so, too, because I enjoyed. First of all, I loved O'Brien semi because I don't think he was totally centric on the next gen ever, mm-hmm. but he was he had some great side storylines mm-hmm. going on in some episodes of next gen. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes of next gen is when Keiko gives birth. And Worf is the one that yeah. delivers, disaster. you know, yeah. disaster. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. episodes of Next Gen because I love how it misplay it put people in different situations than mm-hmm. they were used to, which mm-hmm. usually makes for entertaining situations at least, let alone riveting or good drama. Yep. And I just loved I will forever. I was watching that episode. I remember this. Shout out to my mom. 
in her bedroom with her watching that episode and she was laughing all the way through it um because it was just it was just a heartfelt touch you know picard's in an elevator shaft with a bunch of kids you know um troy's on the bridge having to make some tough command decisions and o'brien was awesome for her character development when we talk we're going to talk about we're going to have an yes. episode where we just talk about her one day. We're going to yes. bring, we're yeah. going to talk all about but, that. <laughs> but I love, I love how, you know, Worf is like, push Keiko, push, push, push Keiko. And she goes, I am pushing, you know, mm-hmm. just, just great stuff out of character. Oh. But well, he's and like, that, he's like, now is not a good time. <laughs> and that leads to one of the best gigs in DS9 when uh, they're about to have their second child. And someone says, oh yeah, I think, uh, Kira's going to give birth or something. And then Worf freaks out. He's like, I will not be available on that day. And like, <laughs> right. he's just like, I have nothing to do and with it again. And Chris, Christian, thank nice... you for bringing us back to Deep Space Nine again with that. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, so I wanna, I, actually, can we go back to that yeah, for a yeah. Because I want, I want to give, a, I guess, a <laughs> shout out to somebody. How awesome they wrote in yes nana visitors real life pregnancy yes yes that was awesome i i'm very proud of like star trek for doing that Mm -hmm. oh it's like it's i think it's the best it's like this is what i find so fascinating it's like all right we're ds9 how can we make this a storyline okay let's say there's an accident the o'briens are about to are (laughs) wanting to have another kid we're going to beam that kid (laughs) into kira Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Great storyline. Voyager, yep. same problem. What do we do? Well, let's give Balana the overcoat with the with the pocket <laughs> and let's not mention it. That's it. <laughs> it's just like, man, there's such a just I don't want to like I still love Voyager, but it's well, just it goes to show like just like the quality of, of storytelling that you get with DS9. Well, I think also though, I think I think there's there may have been some timing issues when actual oh, okay. pregnancy yeah, that's probably occurred true. I and just... how much they were showing when yeah. and all that stuff. So I think but that could have played into it a little bit. I'm glad I think in the nineties is when we started to see just Hollywood in general accepting more of their actresses and just dealing with right. the fact that they're yeah. not kicking them off the show, right. but dealing yeah. with okay. whether, that's, whether that's they, even point. if they're hiding it, like, so, you know, so Gates McFadden was pregnant all through season three, four, mm-hmm. one of those seasons, yeah, she, she was pregnant and they hit it. That's yep. fine too. The fact oh, is yeah. they, they kept her on the show. They didn't push her out, which is yep. prior to like the nineties. That was like typical in Hollywood is like, mm-hmm. get, you know, get rid of people. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No. I know you're right. I just, I just love how DS9 was like. Let's yeah. make it a storyline. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And okay. and I gotta say real quick, my uh, favorite character is I. I just can't help it. It's Captain Cisco. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> One of us just, had to pick him. I know, right? I Someone feel like <laughs> like I gotta pull hold down the fort here for Captain Cisco. But just I just the, the again they made a decision. To make it an African American captain, mm-hmm. only it wasn't a stinking captain. They made yeah, him a commander, a commander at first. It took him three years. Like I don't know why they did that. that I, was... it's, I don't know if they thought maybe well, it'd be interesting to let him progress. It'd be character development, you know. But he was also they didn't know how how the whole situation at Deep Space Nine was gonna. Maybe they didn't need a captain. They just you know I don't know. I just they didn't. See, it was so well, back precarious. in the original this... in the original series. Whenever we went to whenever Kirk went to a space station, I thought the person who ran the space station was just typically addressed as commander. Their commander of the space station. Oh, so that's when when DS Nine came director, out or director or director. Yeah. When so when DS Nine came out, I I know I never 
gave it any thought that oh he's not a captain I like because I, I thought it was just he's okay. a commander of a space well, station it's a different like you I know you're much different. deeper than me though i just Sorry. and i was 14 <laughs> you were in college whatever so uh, yes i was you know, an intellectual no but i just i remember going oh why isn't he a captain like all this deal was made about african-american yeah. cat mm -hmm. you know first in command and then they don't make him a captain but they write it all in all i think they did beautiful with the Cisco character throughout mm -hmm. the whole season and Jake Cisco, um, mm -hmm. that relationship in the episode directed by friend of the podcast, David Livingston, mm -hmm. uh, the visitor is mm -hmm. beautiful. Oh, There's also another amazing. one of my favorite D space nine episodes, which might be, be for our next question here mm -hmm. is favorite episodes is, um, the explorers where Cisco takes us, he builds a Bajoran, pre-warp drive flight with these wings you know that that uh, it's uh, what do you call them solar wings oh yeah solar, the solar, sails. Sails. solar, solar, solar sails. sails and solar yeah. wings and uh they see if they can prove bajorans traveled a certain distance uh and beautiful episodes so it's captain mm. cisco um and i gotta say um a character i really did not care for on deep space nine at first was major kira but she is now one of my favorite all-time star trek characters oh yeah um, up into it. and i just i just think that what what they did with her um how nana visitor played her was superb and mm -hmm. she it was one of the bright surprising parts of that show for me because i did could not stand her as a very immature inexperienced 14 year old boy um, you know, I just wanted her to say yes, sir, to Captain Cisco one yeah. time, you know, um, but she just wouldn't. Uh, so that is, is, a, is a surprise. And I gotta say, I, Odo, I loved with Quark, but outside of Quark, I'm with Steve. I found him very one dimensional and, um, I just, he's, I'm not going to say he's my least favorite by any means whatsoever. Yep. But I get a little bit of what Steve's saying, so yeah, yeah. let's so, move. Let's move right. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I guess this leads into the storylines. We are spoiling this, right? Oh heck yeah! Okay, <laughs> we're because spoiling I something say, that thirtieth anniversary. If you haven't sure. watched it yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I your mean, limitations the show, here. The let's show ended twenty what twenty three years ago. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just so... wanted to confirm because, like, I think. <laughs> Oh. If we're talking like when Odo loses his powers, I think it's like wow, he actually you really he gets mm -hmm. a lot of good stuff out of that, even when he's I, not. When he's you just know what? Himself. You're right. Uh, that is that is a a thing I really enjoyed because it was like, oh man, what is he going to do? This is a great opportunity for them to explore more mm. of his quote unquote humanity within you know what his struggles were and all that. And I I liked him not you know having a struggle with who am I and what's my origin and all that stuff. And are there others like me? I thought all that was intriguing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, but I, it's towards the end. I really found the founders. I guess that would be mm -hmm. my, I, the founders as a whole would be my least favorite character. Oh, mm -hmm. um, okay. That's I just, that the, they would have been, I don't know. I just felt it a little bit contrived and okay. all that. So, uh, favorite episodes or storylines. Uh, for this and in Adina, are you ready to go first? Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to go first. Um, mm -hmm. I think overall as a storyline, I really love just everything with the Ferengi. 
and just learning about the Nagus and kind of what was happening there. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it was just because it was fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I think that might have been one of my favorite storylines. But one of my favorite episodes is this random, I got to call it just a random episode. Hmm. Um, improbable Cause. Oh, yeah, so good. Oh, yeah. And I, I, it was one of those that I felt like for a long time, you know, years ago, I actually watched it. You know, I had it on VHS tape. It was recorded, whatever, and that would be like my go-to episode to just kind of watch when I wanted to relax and 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 stuff. For I don't, it's a weird relax. episode for that. Uh, what <laughs> are you saying? So having something that I've seen a hundred times in the background to yeah. me is relaxed. It's kind of like why I, I rewatch I a lot of yeah. Star Trek. It's why I rewatch Friends and everything. So this one, I don't know. It might be because I'd already seen it so a few times that it became that for me. But something about you know, uh, Garrick with his dad and i, and I don't Aubrey know just saying, so is yeah. that so are you counting both episodes in that no i'm really just like just, the first part well, no i think i'm just calling doing the first part i think it's just, i mean I, I like the second part too but i think just the first part okay yeah the that, first part i like to, a lot but then me, the visitor gonna, you mentioned the visitor like yeah. me, there are many a lot of good episodes to me the show improbable cause and that two-parter there mm-hmm. um is I think when I now this was was this after Worf came to the show after Michael Dorn uh, came to the show was, or before uh, this, was, this was season three okay so I think before for me yeah. this is when the four. show really I was like holy crap <laughs> this is epic now like these episodes starting with Improbable Cause was when I was like this is so intriguing. Mm-hmm. I can't believe some mm-hmm. of my friends aren't watching this show anymore. It's so mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. then it's like, what a cool Garrick thing. Like, I think that's the ultimate Garrick is he's mm-hmm. willing to blow up his own shop, make it look like it's somebody else that did it so that Odo would investigate mm-hmm. to figure out the truth. I'm like, that's so brilliant. That like, I love Garrick. Scene, right. When Odo called him out on that, you blew up your own shop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, Tain even said, "I've got an Tain impersonation." You blew up your own shop, you know, like like that that acting in that episode, all the way across the board is just superb. It's a very intense, just lots of ooh, what is going on here? And that relationship between between Garrick and Tain <laughs> is so. Adina, you're saying you think Tain is indeed Garrick's father. I- Pretty sure he I said it he, in one of those two episodes. But, but is Garrick yeah. is Garrick just trying to push that on no. him because that's how no. Garrick felt so about him? He, or he confirms no, I think it. He, yeah, um, I think this, I think in part two. So he okay. confirms it in the prison camp episode, which is like around season five, uh, when Garrick gets the message from Tane tries to save him and they, they end up in the prison camp and then before he dies mm-hmm. he's like you I will acknowledge you were my son and he talks about like that he has a really touching moment where it's basically like you've been, you've been a disappointment but I was really proud of you that day where you kept getting back on that creature mm-hmm. or whatever it was the mm-hmm. die is um, cast is part two of uh, yeah that, that, that which is a phenomenal again fantastic really well space battles just uh, it's just unbelievable uh, to me that took Trek to a whole nother level and, when it comes to can we all that stuff? Can we also talk about? I think it's one of the funniest things ever, but I think it's so indicative of DS9. Is you have Garrick, he's torture. No, he's torturing Odo, like hardcore. It is bad. How does it? The how does the series that episode end? It ends with, "Hey, I'm sorry. 
Oda was like, I understand why you did it. Let's have breakfast sometime. And they become <laughs> breakfast buddies after being tortured. I'm like, what a show. It's, Best of enemies. So Best of enemies. Yeah. Steve, what about you? You know, through all the Star Trek series, the episodes that I enjoyed the most were the funny ones. Mm. Original TS, TOS, I Mud, hilarious. Trouble yes. with Tribbles, hilarious. I love it. When they're lighthearted and even a piece of the action from the original series, yeah, funny. Yeah. Oh, you that know, one's funny. You, yeah. you go to Enterprise, it's it's a night in sick bay, funny, I, or acquisition I with the Ferengi. Acquisition, I'll give you. I can't. Was it, wasn't the Magnificent thing. Ferengi an Enterprise episode too? Didn't no, they that have was an episode DS... called The Magnificent? No. That was, no, that no. was DS9. Magnificent Ferengi was, was DS9. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to this show, the ones that stood out that I remembered and enjoyed the most were Little Green Men. Oh, That's yes. That's great. Yes. yes. So good. So they go back to 1947. It's Roswell. Oh, mm. my goodness. Okay. This, <laughs> this is fun. This when is they were fun. hitting and their heads to get their, their things yeah, to work, the and the guys thought that was like their method working. of communication. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Very, very funny. And then, of course, without a doubt, it has to be Take Me Out to the Holodeck. I just mm-hmm. love it. it. Because they treat baseball with such respect. And you guys said, yeah. that's the one you should watch. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. And mm-hmm. that one just like, and again, you took the characters out of their usual routine, but then they were part of their usual routine. Right. You know, because Odo is the umpire. Well, he is the police officer. It, so yeah. why not have him as the umpire? <laughs> you know, and then you and you had, and was it Nog, who's like, he's he's the clumsy kid who can't do anything, but darn it all, he gets the... The, he gets a run on the, you know, he gets a score <laughs> right. as a run. So, <laughs> so those those are my two. I mean, the darker ones are really intense and great. But I, like I said, I in all the series, I always, you know, gravitate to the humorous ones, the lighthearted right. ones. So, yeah. So, Christian, have you answered this yet? Not yet. No. But I've got okay. to, so I've got to pick for the my favorite episode. I'm not saying it's the best because I know I. Oh, I, yeah. This is our favorite. No, no. And then I have like then my favorite storyline. Okay. So for me, the my favorite episode, the one I always go back to, it's actually one that Dylan and I will fall asleep to sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, Call to Arms, and I think oh, it's yes. such a beautiful episode in that there's this slow buildup that hey, there might be this war. Everybody knows there's a conflict happening and it's brewing, but you have these really sweet character moments, and you have that great conversation between um, Jake and Ben where. He's like, hey, I'm a reporter now, blah, blah, blah. Aren't you glad I got a job? And Cisco's upset that he didn't speak to him first about publishing the article. So you have all these great family dynamics. You have uh, Rom getting married to, why can't I think of her name? Leela. Sorry, Lita. Yep. yep. Uh, but then it has like one of the best endings where it's like, all right, they've got a great ship battle with this um, space station fighting off against the Dominion. And then the Dominion takes over. And for me, that is my favorite storyline of the series when the characters are no longer on, where most of the characters are on DS9. Guldicott and his gang takes it over, and then you get Kira and Odo and Quark all having to deal with, we have to, we have to remain neutral and supportive of Guldicott because we mm. have to keep Bejar to the fighting. But Kira, her very nature is, if you're not fighting the enemy, then you're then you're becoming a collaborator. And she said, there's even that great conversation where she's like, people like me during the occupation, they were the collaborator 
collaborators. They were the enemies. Um, and so you put them in this really cool situation. And then I love that DS9 had, I don't even know gall's the right word, but the courage to be like, hey, what if we made this six episodes? And then, of course, they get back, they get the station back and everything's fine. Right, right. And they're still going on with the war. But it's just <laughs> such a cool idea that we're, we're actually going to take the characters off, off the name of the show and put them somewhere different and put everybody in different situations than we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like a, it's a storyline, that six part arc, so perfect, but then Call to Arms is such a good episode. And then Dylan, I will, we've actually, I did one time where I was like doing a lot of the dialogue and I was putting her to sleep and now she knows a lot of the dialogue. And so we'll listen to it. <laughs> um, her thing is though, she will listen to entire season. She went through season three one time while trying to sleep, which threw me mm-hmm. off, but that's how she does it. So it's just also, it's like, this is like um, Steve's, or sorry, not Brian's thing about like, hey, we knew she was in, like, he was in love when he didn't watch DS9. But it's like, I found the one, like someone who can watch DS9 with it's me. Remarkable, no dialogue. Hold on to that it's, woman. It's surreal. <laughs> like, it really is. <laughs> Adina, did you, did you say yours? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so I was, I was that's the, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I've, I have been tossing this around, <laughs> even this, even today. Um, and, uh, I, I've got several here. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to re I'm going to retract a statement I made about improbable cause in the Dias cast when is when I said this show is fantastic. <laughs> okay. It's the same season though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at, I want to make sure I get it right. Episodes 11 and 12 past, past tense, tense parts one and two. That's okay. when I said, I love this show. I think this is really good. And Steve, those are two episodes you ought to write down and watch if past you haven't tense. already. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's in season three, episodes 11 and 12, past tense, parts one and two. Uh, f- absolutely fantastic. I loved that. Um, and then I'm looking at, uh, there's another two-parter. Let me get to here so I don't miss mess up the uh, names. Uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost. Oh, so good. I loved I those. Too. I loved going and seeing uh, 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 Ben Cisco's dad's uh, restaurant. I loved all that stuff on Earth. I loved the cadets having a secret group that Cisco ended up using uh, or figuring out what was going on, you know. And um, I loved the fact that the, I loved O'Brien showing up as a changeling for a scene, you know um and get getting to play kind of a bad guy for a second uh and what if i told you there was only four of us on planet and on the planet and look at the havoc we've caused hmm. you know um i just i thought that was pretty good and then sentimental favorites like the explorers and the visitor um mm-hmm. but i gotta tell you one of the reasons i love this show in general is they lost occasionally like a lot in the last three or four seasons like it was not always a given that in the last 15 minutes of the show they were gonna come out on top so they had a lot of continuous storylines where we've lost more comrades today you know we've lost more friends in in the fight we've um and so i loved that there was this kind of ominous hanging you know we kind of figured in the end ultimately they would come out on top but I love that there were many episodes where it was like, man, this is, they, they really showed the reality of war, the up and down nature of it um, and the uncertainty of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that about this show and the story. Story that way. Yeah, so. that was. I agree. Let's let's continue right along as as we kind of wrap things up here. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I know the answer to this. So let's mm-hmm. let's do this. Let's answer this real quick with a yes or no. How about that? Okay. Sure. This is the okay. first time quick, I think yes, we can try. I think I think we have never done this on the show. Expected just a yes or no. So let's see how this goes. Everybody, please play by the rules, pretty please. Yeah. Um, You're the boss. Because I'd rather spend an extra few minutes on the very last question. Okay. Okay. Um, do you enjoy watching this show still today, and has it held up over time? So it's I'll either a yes. double yes or a yes, no, or a no, yes, or whatever. I'll say yes and yes, of okay. course. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to say yes, but, and we'll save the but for another time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving on to Chris then. <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> my my answer is yes and yes for the most well, part. Yes and yes. But there's yeah, a yeah. there's a butt right. hanging hang yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. okay. Is there a big old butt a... hanging up there? Quick question, uh, proviso. Uh, you know, you, that's how you kind of feel like. You know, I, I, I'd like to. Okay. All right, all right. So the last uh, one. Uh, this is I. What I do for a living and with my life, I'm very concerned with legacy. I'm as mm-hmm. a father, I'm concerned with legacy. What kind of legacy am I leaving my kids for real? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just in general, what do you think if, if a TV show has a legacy or can have a legacy, which I think they can mm-hmm. definitely have an impact? What is the legacy of Deep Space Nine? I'm going to let Christian, because Christian go first, because he and I think are our, we are the resident, absolutely passionate about Deep Space Nine uh, people on the show. So I'm going to let Chris have the first word here. Okay. So I think it would be that you can still have a great Star Trek show, but you can have a Star Trek show that, while feels like Star Trek, can have amazing character development and can explore darker themes than what you're typically used to. And I mm-hmm. think like something like Enterprise was able to do that, and then Discovery even was like, hey, you know what? DS9 did it. We can do that too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just... Just so don't it be paved the way for other yeah track for other shows, shows to go to, where they've never gone before to be yeah. like we're still see what I did there? oh yeah I get it <laughs> to see that you know hey we can still be a little dark we can we'll still feel like happy go lucky ish to a degree but we're going to explore some darker themes and really get in there hmm. um, and deep um, dive into it Steve I wrote this simple sentence. I guess is you can break the mold and still make it feel familiar. And that's just what you were saying, Chris, because if you look at TOS and you look at TNG, it's still the traditional enterprise with a set characters that feel very familiar. And then you, you should go to a show that's based on in a space station with unfamiliar characters. Okay. We accept it. And then you get to the next series, and it's they're away from everything. Again, breaking the mold, but still it seemed familiar, and that's the important thing. Cool. Adina? So believe it or not, I think Chris and Steve gave great answers. I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> Especially what? Chris is probably answered the way I, I think I would have answered. Exactly. Okay. So. Cool. cool. You second the motion. Hooray. Yes. <laughs> second the motion. All right. The Deep Space Nine motion of 2023. <laughs> 
I think the legacy of Deep Space Nine is that the ultimate hope that Star Trek embodies for the future is still very much there, but it embraced the struggle that exists to keep that hope alive. I think that I think that it did a great job of um you know, all the aspirations of living certain ways, of commanding certain ways, of exploring certain ways, of um, being inclusive in all the different ways. I think it just did a great job of saying that's who we are. But along that journey, there are often very much very hard struggles Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And we make mistakes. We see Captain Sisu, all the characters went through phases Mm -hmm. and storylines where they made some mistakes all of them i think and yep. um but by and large they still tried to make it better they still learned and they still grew and i love w- what i th- loved about d space 9 in the end is what i loved about next generation in the end is when the series wrapped up it felt like i was saying goodbye to a family Mm, good and um so for me that show accomplished that and i think i think what you guys said it helped propel other star trek after it to try new things uh and so we're grateful for that Mm -hmm. well thank you guys for uh your meaningful thoughts on this unique part of the star trek universe and to you the fans of our show we say thank you for listening and would love to encourage you to join our Facebook group, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram. Also, if you have the time and would be so inclined, uh, could you write us a good review on whatever podcast app you listen to that would help get the podcast in front of more people. Don't forget to check out Trek long Island and yeah. uh, see if you can't attend that fantastic first time convention as well. Hey, um, yeah, so that's exciting the off of that thing. Oh, we'd love to see as many of you there as possible for sure. And on behalf of the entire crew, we wish you the best for this new year. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And remember to catch us next week for another episode of the big sci-fi podcast.